everybody. Welcome to The Daily Objective. And today is a special day because it is Freedom Friday. And we're going to talk about the things that really life depends on, such as freedom. You know, yesterday was my day off from The Daily Objective. I went down to the beach. I tried to take my mind off all of it, a nice socially distant beach. And as these violent waves are throwing me around and I should have been enjoying my life, all I could think about is the civil unrest in the country that I love. So we're gonna talk about this. Mobs, vigilantes, is this anarchy in action? But I can't do it alone. Let me introduce the host who, um, let me tell you, I used to tell him he, sh he should visit America, he should visit Los Angeles. But after hearing him review the movie 300, I'm actually worried that if he, if he visits LA and sees our thriving, beautiful Persian American community, he will be overtaken by primal rage and began to uh, reignite old ancient tensions. And that's not anything I want to see. Nikos Sotirakapoulos. Definitely, because under the current ideology, we are all tribalists and completely contained by our identity. So what else can I do than uh, try to find uh, the, the descendants of uh, Persians? So why anarchy on a Freedom Friday? Because quite often, Anarchy is seen as the ultimate stage of freedom. And I'm not going to throw the usual stuff that if you want anarchy, go to Somalia. We're just, because I think it's not a very legitimate, let's say, attack on anarchy. But we will try to see what is happening nowadays in the United States and how this is close to anarchy and what does this mean. So what did we have in the last days? So we had the killing of another uh, African-American citizen under circumstances that are unclear. What we saw that was that he was shot on the back. Some people say this was because he had the gun. Anyway, we don't know what happened. What we do know is that this has given rise to a new wave of raids and unrest. And what happened after uh, Jacob Blake was shot in Wisconsin, we saw riots. And Part of the riots was that some groups were roaming in the streets. Some called them protesters. If we see what they've left behind the day after, we could also call them rioters. Although today I saw a, an analysis that says that calling something a riot is racist. So maybe we should fight a new, we should fight a new war. And what actually happened is that they clashed with someone who was what we could call a vigilante. And I'm not saying this in a good way, I'm saying it in a neutral way. And this ended up in two people being killed and one person being injured. And something else that we saw last night is Rand Paul being attacked when he was leaving White House by a mob. And we saw also other politicians being attacked. So we discussed two months ago and we said, is America close to something like a conflict? My answer was categorically no. Uh, I'm 5% less convinced today than I was back then. So what's your take on all that? You know, physicalities are unacceptable. This is, uh, you know, I don't often quote books like everything I learned, I know I learned in kindergarten or, or something. There's a book called something like that, which I have not read, but I think the title is correct to, a, to an extent. <laughs> all the basics you learn, uh, such as no hitting. We need to live in a society without force. 
And yes, I understand when we're in a world where we see a police officer with his knee on the neck of a private citizen for 10 minutes, we might conclude that, okay, it's, it's revolution or nothing. But you need to be very clear. Are you aiming to overthrow the current existing government and replace it with something better, where rule of law is better enforced, where the rights of the individual are protected by objective laws? Is that what you're going to do? And if not, then introducing physicalities is unacceptable. Initiating force is unacceptable. We cannot, we're not going to get a better world um, or we're not even going to preserve the existing civilization when people are initiating force, where people are making themselves seen and heard by in initiating force, especially against police. I mean, you cannot hit a police or push a cop Listen, I, I realize a lot of cops are bums. I'm not exactly, uh, you know, the, the biggest uh, defender of, of, of police out there. I'm just saying, like, we need, rule of law means that you need to abide by the laws. You know, Francis Bacon said, nature to be commanded must be obeyed. The law to be perfected, the law to be better um, enforced in, in an objective manner needs to be obeyed. You, you can um, break certain laws like... Um, like um uh like in in the jim crow south um uh the black like a black might uh, like if, if a black were to drink out of the water fountain at the courthouse that's you know for whites only in order to get arrested and then go to court and challenge that law that you know that would be a proper way to break the law but to introduce force to um to to riot no matter how bad things are the only way that bringing violence like the founding fathers brought violence to the to the boston port the only way that violence is acceptable is if you are doing it in the name of individual rights and that you're planning to replace the current system with a better one that better protects the rights of the individuals so here's what is really pissing me off and i'll take it a level below the level of uh, philosophy we have seen a lot of videos with protesters intimidating people I don't know, you've probably watched this viral video with all these people who are calling this woman to raise her fist in solidarity with BLM. Now, how easy can this escalate to violence? Or how easy the Rand Paul incident could have escalated to violence? And what did that mean? This means that one of his bodyguards has a gun, maybe one of his bodyguards maybe has a baton, something, or a police officer draws a gun, so the issue here is that when there is this mixture between what is quote protest and what is actual and what is actual violence they were in for big trouble so some weeks some months ago we 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 had an episode about joe rogan and joe rogan said something very very correct a couple of years ago when the mob was attacking tucker carson house he said do you know, do these people, have they ever come into contact with violence? Do they know what violence means? Do they know, for example, that you might throw a punch to someone and that someone might fall behind and crack his head and that's it, he's dead. What if one of these people, said Drogan, comes out with a, with a baseball bat or with a gun? And as he said, what if, you, what if you go and cause trouble to the wrong house and there's this kind of military guy with, with a gun? And be very careful, this is not us calling for violence. 
what we're saying is what actually might happen. And one day later, it happened. It happened with that guy who is already the poster boy of uh, men in the, let's say, re, uh, whatever is beyond the Trumpian right. And he's already the poster boy for white nationalism for the left. So once force becomes the game in town, all bets are off. And you better be somewhere very, very far away, but nowhere near. Yeah, and by the way, I mean, you know, the, the right-wingers would win that, that war. You know, if it, if it does come down to citizens fighting each other, the, the hillbillies would beat the uh, Antifa activists because uh, Antifa are college students and the hillbillies, uh, they just live to, to aim and shoot. But who wants that? Who wants to go there? And, and what, would be, what would be the world? I mean, it would, it would be, I'm imagining like The Walking Dead, like the, the show, minus the zombies, but might as well have zombies at that point with the level of danger. Um, this is not the way that human beings are able or meant to live. We need to have, we need to deal with each other by persuasion. We need to use reality as a frame of reference to uh, persuade one another, to debate, to discuss. And then we need the laws to be objective. Now, um, it's very difficult to explain to people that don't share our context that this whole mess was brought about by government overstepping its proper function. So if the government stuck from day one and until today to protecting the rights of the individual, regardless of, um, regardless of the time and place, it's just the, your, right, your right to speak, to produce, to own your property, to trade, and the government protected those rights and they arbitrated disputes, dealt with foreign aggressors, dealt with domestic aggressors. If the government did that and only that and did it well and that uh, representatives of the government that are elected are there to just carry that out, they're not there to uh, grant any special favors or anything like that, we would never have a lobby system. We would never have a, a government that, that is here to create jobs, that is here to protect uh, some groups from other groups. That, like, that is just not the job of government. The job of government, a proper government, ought to be um, to protect the rights of the individual, and that is civilization. That is you know, protection of the minority. Ayn Rand, I think, famously, famously said, I'm paraphrasing, the, the smallest individual in the world, or sorry, the smallest minority in the world is the individual. And anyone who claims to, uh, anyone who violates the rights of the individual cannot claim to be protecting any minority. Um, when we, the, the minute the government oversteps that, that proper role of protecting the rights of the individual, we start to see anarchy seeping in. The government today is a lobby system at the local level, at the state and federal levels. We have a lobby system. It's a pressure system. It is a system of pull, not a system of, um, of laws. It's rule of men. It's where some men are able to pick winners and losers. Now, it's not perfectly a lobby system. We do have still a large um, a semblance or a large degree of rule of law. You do need to uh, go to court. You are able to stick up for yourself in a court of law. I wish more people would. I wish CEOs would watch this show and then go into Congress and tell them, you have no right to regulate me this way. You have no right to uh, treat me this way when I have not violated any contracts and I have not violated any laws, any objective laws. I wish everyone would, would do, you, utilize our justice system that way more. 
but we do still have a justice system. So it's not entirely just a lobby system. But let's be clear, a lobby system comes from the government overstepping its role of protecting the individual. It's when the government goes into the business of feeding the poor, of, um, of helping out some groups at taxing some and distributing to others when the government enters that world now it now the representatives of the government are in the business of picking winners and losers and friendship is now the arbiter of laws and that is a seeping anarchy that is seeping medieval monarchism that is seeping jungle uh culture let's say that is a seeping degree of that and it's only going to get worse when we start throwing punches at each other out in the street rather than playing by the rules rather than going into the university to make our to make our ideas uh, known and spread, or going into the courtroom to persuade that and to agitate for objective rule of law. So, let, I'm, we're not going to make this episode an episode on a critique of anarcho-capitalism, but we're going to we're going to get somewhere there. So, this is not an excuse for vigilantes, but here's what's been happening: the message basically has been that, well, the police should retreat a bit. The defund the police argument should, from the very first minute, be completely dismissed. They should say, for example, and I, I like the, uh, what's the name, uh, and the, the Mr. Young, uh, the, the Democrat candidate who said, every police officer should be a purple bird in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So instead, what the police does in New York, they say, no chokes and not even the chokes that are relatively safe because in the past they have been misused and many police officers who just want to do good they say look if we cannot do holds or chokes or whatever and people listen to chokes and they think you're struggling something which is not the case it's restraining let's say chokes then what's the alternative shooting or hitting with baton but because in the political tribalism of the day, all these things don't matter. We want things that sound good. So we say, we defund the police, which means now the police are going to get less training. And in a way, the police should be a bit invisible. And here comes then the vigilante and says, well, now here do I come and I will protect my neighborhood. And you mentioned about, you talked about uh, descending into chaos. Remember the Seattle Autonomous Zone. What happened there? Within the first, let's say, two days, this, this, uh, this rapper who had, you know, this physically imposing presence of power, and he had also the gun, he, in a way, was the leader. And what did this remind me? Do you remember in part three of Atlas Rugged? It's Kathy Makes, the guy who looks with the, with the leather, uh, with, the, with the leather trousers, and again, the gun in his belt. So, in every situation of anarchy, what happens is physical power. It's, it's my fist against your fist or my gun against your, your guns. And here is a question that quite often a lot of people find appealing. So they say, look, everyone is going tribal. And in a situation of anarchy, the best thing you can do is find the tribe, stick to the tribe and hope for the best. So what is the situation for an individualist, for a person who believes in reason and freedom and rule of law and not in, in, in anarchy? What is the situation of such a person? Do we 
do we say, well, this is a situation where morality doesn't work? It's, it's a special situation, so let's stick to a tribe that's going to save our life? Or what? Look, I mean, uh, <laughs> so stick to a tribe that's going to save our life? Look, I don't know how people are supposed to deal with this chaos. I'm glad I'm, I'm locked at home and just, just kind of waiting this all out. I don't know how people are supposed to deal with this. I don't know at one point, it's like asking someone grows up in the ghetto and basically joining a gang is like the one way to not get like enslaved by a gang, you know? And joining a gang means you have to do some brutal, brutal things to prove that you're hard enough to join this gang. And then you have to live a life of enforcing contract amongst one another. It's, it's a state of anarchy basically um, in, these, in these sectors of the, of the culture, of the, of the country or, or the culture. Um, but then the question is, well, so are you supposed to join the gang or not? No, the, I don't know, but I do know that the war on drugs needs to be repealed. It's sad that in today's uh, intellectual landscape, the sort of this one side says defund the police. The other said, no, fund the police more and then pile them more police into the dangerous neighborhoods. That's Ben Shapiro's answer. Eh? Legalizing drugs is still a bridge too far for him, but he, uh, you know, his solution is just more police officers to to police and to arrest drug dealers. I mean, it's just, we need to recognize that when the government oversteps their job of protecting the rights of the individual, we get increasing anarchy. We get police who are increasingly representatives of a, a rival gang rather than the protection of the individual from gang rule. Um, you know, laws, preventive uh, laws such as anti-drug laws or the, and the war on drugs, these are what I was talking about when I said the government is overstepping their job of protecting the rights of the individual. When the government is now engineering society and enforcing a certain moral lifestyle that goes beyond preventing force or, uh, in, or responding to force, they are creating gang rule and we can see it. And th this mess we have today, I mean, how to kind of solve it in the micro, don't ask me, but I can tell you in the macro, we need to um, understand the, the nature of man calls for him to be free, for him to uh, follow his own judgment, to produce and to dispose and keep his own income or his own income and, and product. And that requires objective laws that he's able to predict cause and effect. He's able to know what will be the consequences of his decisions. And so objective laws to protect man qua man. When we have that covered, then politics becomes fairly simple in most case, in virtually all cases. So yeah, no, I don't have a good, I don't have a good answer on like what someone should do now when they're in the middle of all the chaos or, or how to do like, should they be vigilantes? Should they just hide away? Should they fight back against one mob with another mob? I mean, all I can say is what, what, what's happening right now is the culmination of our philosophic choices and our political uh, blend of obje objectivity with anarchy. And in these situations, you have the most, let's say, tribalistics wake up in you. So <laughs> whenever there's a crisis, I feel much better in Greece, you know, with my network or whatever, than in the UK. Now, rationally, there's, you know, there's no reason to do so, but it's, it's almost the instinctive reaction. But you said something very important. A lot of people think of anarchy as a situation when the government the state basically recedes, goes back and back and back and back. Actually, you could have anarchy when there is no objective law and the state 
has a, a more and more and more and more uh, omnipresence. And we say that the moral is the practical. What would be the moral and the practical solution for the injustices against so many people from the uh, non-privileged background, including so many black people? Don't ruin their life for the possession of drugs. Don't ruin their life for doing trade which is quote illegal. So that's what our conservative friends don't get. The moral is not what is mentioned the, in the books or what comes from their mystic revelations. The moral mm. is what life requires. Anyway, we promise to and, our people and, to... Yeah, yeah, sorry. I mean, conservatives might have some good advice for, you know, for, for, for people saying when they say, you know, start a family, you know, instead of uh, being, a, being a gangster. I mean, they might have some good advice, but, but if conservatives are not willing to protect the rights of the individual with objective laws that are derived from the nature of man, as you and I are advocating, then they're just contributing to the problem and making it worse, conservatives are. But, and yeah, the one premise we need to dispel is that people think of anarchy at one end of the spectrum and statism on the other end. And then the question is, where in the middle is the right balance? No, no. It is um, liberty on one end of the spectrum. And liberty requires an, a government that enforces an objective laws objective. that are there to protect the rights of the individual, which are objectively proven. Um, and on the other hand, you on the other end of the spectrum, you have statism and anarchy. They're, they both go on the other end. I mean, anarchy quickly becomes rule of rule of fist and, and rule of gun, which is which quickly becomes statism. I think you can say that uh, monarchy in the Middle Ages was a state of anarchy. And someone says, well, what do you mean? The king was the government. That's not government. That is thuggery. That is, you know, a gang growing to the size of a country, but that's not government. A, a proper government is a, a, you know, a, a body that protects, that enforces objective laws. That is what a proper government is. And we, okay, we promise to our audience that at some point we will do, we hope that this would somehow lead us to talk about anarchy, including anarcho-capitalism. Didn't happen today, but we promise at some point we will do this. So, because the situation is bleak with politics, we try to shed some light. So on Monday, Ayn Rand Center UK at seven o'clock uh, is organizing an event. And the topic is who, not who should objectivists vote for, <laughs> because the answer is <laughs> good luck with that. Who should objectivists vote against? So in a way, not who is the lesser evil, who is I'm not sure if I'm gonna grammatically get it. Who is the, the biggest evil of the two? And Biden versus Trump. And we're gonna have Andrew Bernstein and Dr. Bob, Dr. Andrew Bernstein and Dr. Bob Stubblefield. They're gonna take different sides of the argument. So this is going to be our meetup. You can check uh, the details, follow Iron Center UK. Odds are if you're watching on Facebook Live, you already do. But if you listen to this either in the podcast or in one of the other platforms, check the London Ayn Rand Meetup register. I think it's going to be a very interesting discussion. Anyway, another week of the Daily Objective is over. Raka, thank you. Thanks to our viewers. All the best for the weekend. Bye-bye.